0: Well, good morning. We're so glad that you are here. We're so glad. It's a a family worship Sunday. Hello to everyone sitting in the overflow. We have a big crowd today. Thank you guys for being here today. And we are in week four of a four-week series in which we've just been talking about what Jesus called the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we've just been trying to get really practical with it, saying, how can I honor God with my soul? How can I honor God with my mind? Last week, how can I honor God with my bank, money? And then today, how can I honor God with my body? And to be real honest, I've never preached a sermon quite like I'm going to preach today. It feels a little bit different. And part of the reason is that the Bible doesn't say a ton about how do we honor God with the body but the Bible does say some about it. And so to begin today, I actually would like you just to read this scripture verse with me. And I've paraphrased it a little bit in the way I teach kids this. And so 1 Timothy 4.8, uh, let's just all read this together. Ready? Here we go. For physical training is of some value, but spiritual training is is of great value. That, that verse actually says, um, is of value to all things. Because spiritual training, I mean, it has great value wherever you are, whenever it might be, all the time, it has great value. And so the Bible gives most of its attention there. But the Bible does talk a little bit about physical training and being physically healthy. And here's the reason. Because everyone sitting out here, you have a soul. And you have a personality and a mind and a heart and emotions. And God took all of that and he bundled it up and he put it inside your physical body. So your physical body matters because that's where you live right now, isn't it? Uh, Your physical body isn't all of you, but it's part of you. And so before we go one step further, let me just say one big word to you. Grace I hope that you hear grace today. My prayer is that when you leave today, that nobody leaves thinking, man, I just feel beaten up and rotten and terrible. Just the same as we didn't want anybody to leave last week thinking, man, my finances are a mess and I just feel beaten up and rotten and terrible. We want everyone to leave thinking, God has grace on me and I am encouraged and here's some ways that I can take some steps to grow and to better honor God with my body. Don't we, every person here, have a few things that we could do a little bit better to honor God with our body. We all have room for growth, right? So on the count of three, we're going to say grace. One, two, three. Grace. Grace. Please hear that word today. Okay, so I'm going to talk about the problem that we have, the biblical principles we find, and then some practical help. And I'm going to have some people on the stage to help me with a few of these things, which is going to be fun. Kids, I'm so glad that you're here because I think that what we do today Uh, there's a lot that you can learn, and there's a lot that you can contribute to this, and and you guys can help us a bunch with this issue. So I'm really glad that you're here. So let me start with the problem. The problem is this. In Tulsa, two-thirds of residents are overweight or obese in a way that is unhealthy. Of those two-thirds, 80% believe that they're fine. In in a recent survey, 80% of those who are unhealthy... um, Uh, would describe themselves as being in good shape to excellent shape, somewhere in that spectrum. So what we have in Tulsa is uh, two-thirds of people who are unhealthy, and most of them think that they're fine. So it's like a whole bunch of people are on a boat, and the boat is sinking, but they're all like, we're fine, we're fine, it's good, it's good, it's good, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, but the boat is going down. Maybe the water just hasn't touched their toes quite yet. And according to the Centers for Disease Control uh, those who are unhealthy and um, uh, struggle with obesity or being overweight just have an increased risk for heart disease and stroke and high blood pressure and a myriad of joint and back knee issues um, and these things that can be deadly. And so there's all of these issues, but it's not just a local issue. My, my wife and I were in India last February, and we were talking to our good friend Neelam, who has grown up in India, lives there, serves as a missionary there, and she, uh, we were talking about food over dinner one evening, and she said, most of the people in India, as long as they're not malnourished, they're, they're, they're really pretty healthy. And she said, well, that was the case until about a decade ago or so in the big cities. And we said, well, what happened? And she said, well, the big cities got fast food. And everything has changed in the big cities. Now we're having this crisis, this health crisis, and we were like, wow... And so I actually looked up the research on that, and she's exactly right. What she has seen with her eyes proves to be the case. That right now in India and China, there's a health crisis, and it's linked to um, fast food and soft drinks, pop, Coke, Pepsi, whatever uh, your beverage of choice might be. And uh, experts are really concerned that this health crisis is going to crumble their economic systems, their healthcare systems, because of type 2 diabetes and uh, heart problems are been just spiking through the roof in those two countries, which, by the way, both of those countries have a billion people, so there's lots of people that can be impacted here. So it's a global issue as well. And we have to ask, why are we so prone to be unhealthy? I mean, we could make a whole list of things, right? I mean, it's easy to eat unhealthy because it's cheap, it's fast, it's easy. Sometimes it makes us feel a little bit better if we're stressed out and it's just easy to grab something. But sometimes it might be because we have yet to reap any consequences. Um, and, um, and maybe we're just kind of being unhealthy, but it hasn't quite caught up to us yet. And maybe it's because we live in a place that has wonderful medicine, but sometimes we can use that medicine to mask the bigger problem, so we don 't actually get healthy; we just kind of try to mask it with medicine uh, and, and maybe it 's because of the cultural acceptance and the pressure that 's out there that in America uh, you know you 're supposed to eat everything and you know it 's kind of like to kill it and eat and we 'll eat it all, and we 'll eat your plate too, and everything else and i 'm a dad sometimes I eat unhealthy because my kids don 't finish their meal, so guess who does um, I do. Uh, and sometimes there's even a pressure. Any, any guys here ever try to go have a, like a, a meal with macho guys and you order a salad? How does that go? <laughs> Sissy. You know, you get made fun of. So, but really think about it. There's like some pressure about how we eat. What do we order? And some people are just resigned to the fact of like, oh, I'm, I'm just too unhealthy or I don't have enough money to buy healthy food or I don't live in a place where they can provide that and there's just lots of these different things. I'm I am, for one, I'm really grateful that our mayor is talking about some of the issues that we have in North Tulsa right now and trying to get some healthy food options in grocery stores. And I'll tell you this, when that grocery store opens in North Tulsa, I want to go there that first week. I probably won't always shop there because it's not near, but I want to give them some business because I want them to stay open because that part of town needs some healthier food options. And so I know lots of people have lots of reasons why we're not living in a healthy way. And... Right now, as we speak, scientists are gathered up in smoky, steamy rooms, and they are figuring out ways to make food that tells your brain that you really like it and that you're not full and you need to eat more and more of it. And that food that they're making that you eat is actually not going to nourish your body. It's just going to tell you, you need more of the bad stuff. And so it feels like it's an unfair game. You know, it feels like the odds are stacked against us in our country to even eat healthy and to be healthy and to honor God with our body. So should we just give up? We can't give up because it's a spiritual issue. Think about things that you see on the menu. You see words like guilt and decadent and sinful and guilty. And usually you're like, ooh, chocolate, you know? <laughs> I want that. Um but I just made a list of all of these words, these spiritual words that kind of connect to our topic today. Think about these words. Gratitude has something to do with this topic of being grateful for what we're given to eat. Stewardship, pride, being prideful of, hey, look how good I look now or look how healthy I am now. That's an issue. False gods, we can worship food or we can worship our own bodies Uh, Being made in God's image, that's a big issue. I have friends who struggle with eating disorders, and this issue of being made in God's image comes into play. Sacrifice and hospitality, joyfulness, the idea of joyfulness. You know, when you exercise, the body releases some chemicals that make you happier, and you would think that's not long-term joyfulness, but it might help to being joyful. It seems like we should give ourselves every benefit and advantage we can. Sabbath comes into play. That's a spiritual idea of resting our bodies. The early church listed seven deadly sins, and two of them are directly related. Gluttony, just eating way too much, not controlling yourself, and laziness, you know, not being disciplined in our lives. So we have all of these different issues, but there's good news. Uh, we have some scriptures that really help us. So if you have your Bibles, kids, adults, everyone, I want you to turn to Daniel chapter 1, and while you are doing that, I'm going to ask Sharabi and Jordan to come up here, because they're going to help me for a second. So girls, you can come on up here. All right, so King Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, uh, was uh, a, a tyrant, and he uh, went, and he conquered the Israelites, and he took the Jewish people, and he went, and he found some of the best and the brightest young guys, probably between about the ages of 15 and 18, so just a little bit older than both of you, and he took them. And he's like, I'm going to train these guys to be the very best and the very brightest, and they're going to serve me. And probably he was going to use them to kind of control the Jewish people to like him. That's what kings kind of do in power. Um, but anyway, they were going to be part of this three-year training program. It involved learning literature, history, language. It involved physical things. But it also involved it also involved eating from the king's table. So what does it mean to eat from the king's table? Well, we all know that the king ate Burger King. Well, maybe not. Um, But it's the best example I could find because I couldn't find a huge pig with an apple in its mouth, and I didn't really want to have that on the table for the whole sermon. Um, So the Burger King is just going to represent what King Nebuchadnezzar's crew would have been eating, what the people he was training, and actually it would have been really fancy food, and it probably would have been, it was lots of meat and wine. So it was fancy food, but it wasn't healthy food necessarily, and Daniel is okay with learning the literature, the history, the language, all of this, but he says, eh, I, I kind of don't want to do the food thing. Can I can I do something different? And the person in charge of all of this, who was underneath Nebuchadnezzar, said, uh, well, you, you've got to eat what you've got to eat. And Daniel says, well, let me make you a deal. So um, who wants to be Daniel? Good choice. Come over here. Okay. you come over here. So... Um, Shirabi is going to represent those who ate from the king's uh, table. And then Jordan can be Daniel and all of Daniel's crew, um, the Jewish men who loved the Lord and said, uh, we have this other option for you. And so if you've found Daniel chapter 1, I'm just going to read this kind of story, and you can kind of imagine how it plays out here. I'm going to begin in verse 12. So this is Daniel speaking to the guy in charge of their training plan. Okay, He says, Please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. So it's going to be a 10-day test. It's almost like a reality show. It's like, let's see how it goes. Let's see who can look the best and be the best uh, after after all of this. So... We're going to eat vegetables, and, and Nebuchadnezzar's guys are just going to eat the king's food. Here's what happens. Verse 15. At the end of the ten days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. So Nebuchadnezzar comes, and, and they all do this evaluation. are like, well, you guys look healthier. And, and he even quizzes them. and he's like, you did better on your test so you don't get to eat this food anymore. You get to only eat vegetables and water. And I imagine that wasn't very popular for all of these guys who were eating, you know, like pork and bacon and wine. And they're like, hey, and maybe they learned to appreciate it. And so what we find out was that Daniel's way was not popular, but was it better? Absolutely, was better. Okay, give these girls a hand. You can sit down. Here you go, Jordan. You can have a crown. The guy at Burger King even gave me one for free and didn't make me buy anything this morning, which was awesome. So let me just run through a few principles that we learn from this um, that I think are important for us, and they're in your sermon note uh, page if you want to follow along there. But principle number one is this. Your body is not worthy of your worship, but it is worthy of your care. Gary Thomas says this. View your body as an instrument not an ornament. Because your body is an instrument that God can use to help people and to care for people and to serve people and to do his work. But we should never view our body like an ornament that you hang on a Christmas tree that's just shiny and glittery for people to look at. So we have to kind of talk about motivation here. Why do I want to be healthy? If your reason to be healthy is so that you look awesome at the, at the swimming pool this summer, then you probably need to question am I just worshiping my body? Is that all it's come to? And there's a lot of people who have gone from being unhealthy to healthy, but now they're an unhealthy healthy, if you know what I mean. They're only being healthy so that they can glorify themselves, not to glorify God. With that said, there's others that sometimes we're tempted to just not care for our body at all. And I think God wants us to have this healthy balance of caring for our body but never worshiping our body. It's a matter of motivation. By the way, Daniel lived to be a really old guy. He outlived several kings, and he outlived the entire Babylonian empire. We're not exactly sure how old he was, but he was an old guy. So whatever he was doing, the vegetable water thing for him, maybe a little extreme for you, but it worked. (laughs) It worked for him. And God used him in amazing ways for many years, even into his old age. Principle two, view exercise and eating as spiritual. If we didn't have this one, I wouldn't be preaching the sermon. If this was just all a physical self-help thing, I'm not interested in preaching that sermon. But we need to begin to view all of this as spiritual. Proverbs 23 has this surprising kind of shocking verse. It says this, When you sit down to eat with the ruler, think about what is in front of you. Put a knife to your neck if you are a man who is given to too much eating. Do not desire his special foods, for they are put there for no good reason. It's almost like Daniel had heard this verse before. He's like, I'm not going to go for the king's special foods. Self-control is a spiritual issue, right? It's a fruit of the spirit. Discipline is a spiritual issue. 1 Corinthians 6 says, the body is meant for the Lord. And I appreciate Paul in Acts chapter 20. He says, I did not... I did not withhold any helpful preaching to you i preached to you whatever was helpful and i think that this issue we realize is spiritual and it's helpful and it's important and physical training is of some value and values build on values so here's what i mean uh, a couple years ago you may remember this i hurt my shoulder um, playing ba- actually playing tag on the basketball court with my kids and that's a whole other story but for the first time in my life, I could not exercise by playing the sports that I really loved. Um, playing basketball, playing tennis is difficult when you're you know, in a sling. And so I realized I needed to do something else because I was not going to be playing those sports for quite some time. And I began jogging. And I got to tell you, when I started, I hated every step. It Really, I was jogging down our path, and I would say, I hate that step, did not like that one. That one was really terrible. I don't like this. What am I doing? Every step is terrible. I wish I was playing basketball or anything else. And that's really what it was like. But then it got to where I, I was fine for the first half mile. And then after a half mile, I was like, I don't like that step. This step is terrible. There's the tennis court over there. I wish I was right there right now. And, but then it got to where I was okay until it was a mile, and then I was okay until I was a mile and a half. And then months later... I was down by the Arkansas River on the West Trail, my favorite place in Tulsa, and I was running, and I realized I'd gone about five and a half miles, and I had about two or three left, and I was listening to a sermon uh, on my headphones, and the sun was coming up over the river, and all of a sudden it hit me. I was like, I like it. I like this. Like, this is wonderful. I love it physically and emotionally. I feel the stress just sweating off of me, And uh, it's good for me in every way, but it took me a while. Now, I think that when we exercise, it's good to find something you can love, but you may not love it at first, but values build upon values because I've gone back to that little memory when I've been uh, facing a challenge here at church in a leadership way where I'm like, man, this seems difficult. And I go back and think, maybe I'm just at that half mile mark where it's really painful right now, and I need to run a few more steps. Maybe there's a family thing that's difficult, and I'll go back and think, maybe I'm just at that mile mark where it's really difficult, but I need to run just a little bit farther. I need to be okay with being uncomfortable for a little bit. We won't be healthy if we're not uncomfortable a little bit with what we're eating uh, or how we're trying to exercise. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, Whether you eat or drink, do it all for the glory of God. My brother-in-law, Corey, gave me permission to share uh, just a little bit about his story. Um, some of you know him because he grew up here in, in Tulsa. Um, he's a great guy. He had gotten to this place, though, where physically he'd gotten pretty unhealthy. And he's, he's an oil guy, so he's working with rough, tough, macho guys, and they're eating big, fat, greasy hamburgers and the largest burritos that you can find and basically eating like a whole cow every time they sit down. I mean, just, you know, kind of the big, rough, tough guys. And a lot of you are in those environments. And, and he was... And it was catching up to him. You know, he's my age, and it was starting to show like you couldn't just kind of run it off. And so uh, he had gained quite a bit of weight, and he was having to take some medications because of the gaining weight and the unhealthy stuff that was following and um, was feeling a little fatigued. And one day he was praying, and he was praying what you all probably pray, God, please bless this food to the nourishment of my body. And right in the middle of that prayer, it hit him like a brick. I am asking God to bless this food to the nourishment of my body. And there's no way that this food can nourish my body because it's junk in front of my face. And it was just like this really convicting spiritual moment where God said, Quit asking me to bless the junk that you're stuffing in your face. And it was so powerful. And Corey is such a great guy that he said, God, I want to change. And it was difficult. And it took some time and a process, but a couple years removed from that, um, Corey is off the medications that he was having to get on. And he's lost a lot of weight, and he feels better, and he has more energy to do things. But more importantly, he can pray that prayer in good conscience. And I love that that example shows that the spiritual and the physical come together, right? And so it's a spiritual issue that we're talking about. Uh, number three principle is to make a plan. Any common sense plan will do, but make a plan. If you don't make a plan, you're probably not going to follow through, and Daniel's plan was really simple. Vegetables, water. That's, I get it. That's a little extreme for most of us, but some kind of a plan is good. Your plan, I, I will tell you this, should at least include vegetables and water, <laughs> right? And that might be a jump start for some. Number four, measure. Daniel says, hey, let's give it 10 days, and we should live in reality. We should ask ourselves, is what I'm doing healthy and helpful, or is it not? And, you know, just to be honest, am I on a boat that is sinking, or am I in a good place? Am I in a place uh, where I can be healthy and give God the very best uh, of this? And number five is to be courageous, um, you know the king had to change everyone else's diet, and I, you know, Daniel stood up for that, and it could have cost him his life. And so he was pretty courageous right then to say, "I, I, I'm concerned about this, and I think for Daniel, he realized that I've got to steward this body and honor God in this way." And think about this: if God has given you a friend, you should care for that friend. If God has given you a spouse. You should care for that spouse. If God has given you money, you should care for that money and give it away and spend it wisely. And if God has given you a body, and He has, I don't see any ghost out here, if God has given you a body, you should care for that body. It's just a matter of stewardship. What God has give, given us, we ought care for. And, and for, for Daniel, it was being courageous, caring for his, even when it was against the norm, against the culture. Number six kind of balances number five. We've got to be courageous, but also, please hear this, be gentle and gracious. Did did you notice that Daniel did not say, hey, let me eat vegetables because those slobs over there are just eating all this? He doesn't belittle anybody. He doesn't throw anybody under the bus. He doesn't say, I'm better than you. Because when people do that to you, it's not very motivating, is it? It makes you want to hit them with a skillet, Um, but it doesn't make you want to be healthier, right? And so we need to be gentle and gracious. And by the way, that means being gentle and gracious with yourself, right? Because the first person we tend to beat up is ourselves, and that's not healthy. God is gracious with us, and we need to be gracious with ourselves. You know, there's times that my diet, what I eat, is way outside my control. If you have me over for dinner, I will eat what you put in front of me. My mom taught me that, okay? And when we went overseas, uh, whatever was put in front of us, we ate it. And I know that they were putting more in front of us than what they put in front of themselves. It's why I gained, it's why I gained weight on every mission trip I go on. Um, and uh, there, there's times where our diet is outside of our control, so we're just gracious, We don't be mean to people, Um, and there's just times where you're going to have to kind of be in this gray area of when do I need to be a little courageous and step aside, and when do I need to be gracious? But we need to be gracious with ourselves and with other people, and uh, I I realize today, you know, one of the things that we have to do is just practically try to help people. And so I think one of the best ways that we can help and resource you today is I've invited Dave and Sloan to come help me today. So if you all don't mind coming up here, that would be great. Uh, Many of you know Dave is our pastoral care minister, but has been on a bit of a health journey um, over the past uh, year especially. And uh, Sloan um, is an expert dietitian at St. Francis. And um, we'll grab one more stool there. Go ahead, son. I don't know who that was. Might have been the carrots. Might have been Dave's stomach. I've heard it before. (laughs) Um, She also works with athletes at the University of Tulsa. So uh, I like that she's thinking about not only... Like, how can the athlete fuel their body? But also at St. Francis, how can the person who's been in really bad health for a long time make some healthy changes? And so kind of that whole spectrum. And one reason both of them are on stage is because they both learned a lot. And um, Sloane's the person I know in this world who knows the most about this subject, but I've always found her really gracious, and I really, really appreciate that. And so I feel good about her sharing today. So I just asked her if she would begin today by sharing one of the most surprising things you'll ever see, and I promise you that you'll remember it. So Sloane, tell us about this brownie you've got here.
1: Okay, first off, if you eat a brownie, you're not evil.
0: Okay? Good.
1: You got that? A brownie's a treat. But I wanted to show you, as Brian had mentioned, um, we live in a world of convenience. And I want to point out that we have to eat. We have to have calories. There is no wrong in that. So, eating calories is what's expected, you're supposed to survive. But in this world of convenience, when you go into a convenience store, if you're not paying attention, if you just want a little bit of a snack, you just need a piece of chocolate, I wanted to bring you a brownie that I got in a convenience store. And as you can see how big this brownie is, it's a little bit bigger than I would hope most of you would cut out of a pan. But nonetheless, what's so shocking about this brownie is, if you want to formulate in your mind just for a second, you don't have to yell out the answer, how many calories do you think might be in this brownie? So you've got a number in mind, right? If you had the number 420 calories, that's what's in this brownie. 420 calories, to put it into perspective, Most people eat about five to six or 700 calories per meal on a good moderate meal, Um, 420. So therefore, this brownie is not a good idea. And I want to point out, if you're in a convenience store and you think, I just need a little piece of chocolate, don't go for the brownie. Um, I want to mention that Quick Trip is really good because they have single serving little pieces of candy. If you need a piece of chocolate, get a piece of chocolate. But with that brownie, um, if you grab this, if you're not paying attention, Probably not the best idea. Also sitting in front of me is a bowl of carrots, right? I wanted to show you that that's exactly 420 calories. Most of us would not think, I think I need that bowl of carrots. <laughs> <laughs> I need a snack, a real quick snack. I'll eat that in the car. Um, so, and that would give you a gut ache. So think about it before you grab something like this. I also want to point out, Brian did great. Um, these bananas are on the small side, which is fine. There happens to be five of them. This is about 420 calories. And I want to point out, if, if I can help you understand, fruit is not evil either. There's um, a lot going around that fruit is bad for you. Do you see how hard you have to work out with the fruit? So fruit is not necessarily a bad thing. Um, eating too much is something. Too much is too much. But I'm pretty sure you wouldn't do that. The carrots, yeah. that is. Yeah. This, I don't know.
0: Okay, see, you'll remember this, right? You'll be like, do I need that whole bowl of carrots for my snack? Um, first
1: day in the
2: hospital, she made me eat that.
0: Yeah, breakfast. yeah, right. <laughs> okay, so you said first day in the hospital, for so especially for the folks who don't know your story, can you just give a little bit about why you've had to think healthy in this I, last year?
2: I am one year past my, uh, my heart attack, G- <clears throat> January 17th, which was a Sunday morning. I woke up and... Uh, I was not feeling well, and so I said, oh, what did I eat last night? What did I eat yesterday? Uh, And then finally I I realized, and I had a conversation with myself as a police chaplain. I'm often called places where people are in the same kind of situation that I was in, and they didn't do anything about it. And then I wound up as the chaplain. And so I, I told myself, Whatever you do, you're not going to die in this room. You're going to get up, and you're going to go do something else. And I went in, and I woke up Roseanne, and I said, I'm not feeling very, very well. And Roseanne, the trooper that she is, said, honey, you've got to teach today.
1: <laughs> <forgot about> that. <laughs>
2: Thank you, sweetheart. And then I said, no, I'm, I'm having chest pains. So that, that changed it. And so that was uh, January 17th uh, 2016. And so that began my journey of dealing with all of the all of the lies I had told myself about my diet, about my behavior, about my health.
0: Okay. Yeah, and Sloan, you talked about a phrase that you use called which is you got caught. Can you tell what you mean by that?
1: Um So, I work at St. Francis Hospital in the cardiology, on one of the cardiology floors. Um, Dave was on my floor, and it's not that I just said it only to him, but um, I tell this to most people, if you think for a moment, um, they're a captive audience to me, they're paying attention, they're scared, and that's exactly where they need to be. And I will point out to them that um, you've been going on for so long, making bad food choices, maybe not getting enough sleep lack of exercise, you know, a number of things. It um, could be genetically predisposed to have this heart attack. But nonetheless, when you eat incorrectly, um, it doesn't help. And so I tell them, you, you got caught. You just got caught. Just to help them realize it's time to change.
0: Yeah. So Dave, what have been some of the biggest challenges for you in changing your habits now from what they were a couple of years ago? I think
2: the, well, first, the to realize that it does affect. You know, we, I think we sometimes think that won't get me. The getting caught, when, when Sloan in my hospital room said, Dave, you got caught, uh, that really helped me realize decisions that I've made in the past had to be changed. And so one of the biggest, biggest things is to, to recognize that what goes into my mouth really does matter. I mean, I know Scripture, you know, says, you know, it's not what goes in that pollutes, but it's what comes out. But Jesus was talking about something besides health when he made that statement, because what goes in does affect what's in there. And so, I, with Sloane's help, and and I will tell you this: uh, a long time ago, I described Sloane as a person who's in your face, but in your corner, and she is that. She's that to me, but she's that to every patient she sees. And all those dumb jocks, she has to work with it to <laughs> you. She's the same to them, but she, she, uh, she, does, she does an excellent job.
0: Yeah, and you told him because uh, we were having this discussion about eating out, that he pays for what?
1: Um, when people go out to eat, it's a contract between you and the restaurant. It's a verbal contract. You've agreed for that entree or that particular item, and you're going to pay for it. And so I had taught Dave that what you should do is pay for the taste, and what I mean by that is you've already made the agreement that you're going to pay the money for that because you want to taste it, but no one said you had to eat all of it, and no one said that you had to take half of it home. The restaurant doesn't care if you eat it or don't eat it or leave half of it on the table when you meant to take it home, or leave it on your car and drive away and it falls off kind of thing, because that happens. (laughs) But, I mean, they don't care. They, you made a verbal contract, they got their money. You got the product. So, I had conveyed to Dave, um, if he chooses to go out to eat, uh, eat what you came to taste, but don't act like an American, where we have to conquer, we own it, for what you had said is true. Because a lot of us were like, it's my money, I own it, I'm eating it. No matter how hungry I am or am not, it's mine but you already agreed for the taste. So he took that to heart, no pun intended. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> and and he, he actually taught me something that I really appreciate. Um, you talked about how you go out to eat and it was your form of recreation. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, That's an that, awesome concept. I mean, if you don't mind telling them that little bit.
2: What we, <laughs> what we did for fun was go eat. That was, that was our way, it was our reward, it was our pleasure, it was, it was something, uh, we were together so we would we would actually have conversation. Uh, It was just an enjoyable thing. Uh, Then that's, that was recreation. And so to realize that I'm, that I was making a poor choice about my recreation as well. I was, I was considering this uh, you know you know we go on date night first date we had took her to dinner I've been doing it for 46 years so that that's part of the problem <laughs> when you let that become the pattern now we still we still go out but uh, it's that's not you know the whole and and Sloan's term of conquer uh, I am of financial nature that I paid for it, by golly, I'm going to eat it all. And and the fact that I don't need to eat it all. Uh, when we go out now, we split one, and we still take home stuff. So that is that is something that we have learned through this process.
1: Well, it's funny because you, there's, there's two of you, and you get four meals out of it. Because he taught me that they take half of it home, and then they split that again later. So he's getting... They're they're eating.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think a question that a lot of us might have for you is, okay, it seems like there's so many fad diets and there's different research that comes in, and so we just like get so confused and we just want to throw in the towel. So help us understand that.
1: That is a hard one. I understand. Um, the biggest, we'll talk about eggs. You know, in the 1970s they said eggs were bad for you. Late in the 1980s they said eggs are fine, but nobody heard that story, so everyone thinks eggs are bad. Um, Eggs are not necessarily bad. An excess of eggs can be bad, and so can you have eggs? Yes, I do. Work with a doctor who tries to eat a ten-egg omelet every morning.
0: Whoa!
1: And I can't reason with him because <laughs> wow. his logic is that because and he's a he's a he's a wonderful man. He's a fine doctor. I I love him so much. Does a great job. But he works until ten o'clock at night. So in his mind, it's logical if he eats that kind of a hearty breakfast and then skips. Lunch and dinner, he should be fine. But nobody needs a ten-egg omelet.
0: It's maybe beyond hearty. Uh,
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, is he eating? Yes. Is he? Is his timing off completely? Yeah. Is the amount too much? Yes.
0: Yeah. So.
2: And we need to stop right here, Matt. That is not a test for you. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That's not no a, challenge. A, yeah, it's continue. not a challenge. It's not yeah, yeah. a challenge. But, yeah.
1: but to answer your question, there's all kinds of research that comes out all the time. Another one is coffee. You know, coffee's good, coffee's bad, coffee you just, just hold on. It's like Oklahoma weather. So I mean you just but don't be discouraged. Don't I mean, when you hear of that, if that helps.
0: Yeah. So but so then help us just what are what's some simple advice for any of us out here saying, Okay, just give me a couple little nuggets of wisdom of here's what I should be eating, drinking, whatever.
1: Okay. Well, um, start reducing or if you're bold enough to eliminate the things that you know are not good for you. I would not have to teach you anything. I think you already know what's good and what's not good for you. You guys know that. The credit is yours, you know. But start reducing. Um, I typically tell people, look at volume and content. You would never eat, I mean, I don't know why, maybe Matt, (laughs) for a challenge, I don't know. Um.
0: Youth group challenge, (laughs) carrot eating contest.
1: The volume is too much, when you feel full, you're full, and actually you're way past that. So, you know, do you need that kind of volume? Content. This is calorically dense, dense calories. Do you need this? Thanks. So volume and content. And then you had a great thing that you do, the sigh. The what? The oh, sigh.
2: Oh, on the sides?
1: No, no, the side. When you're eating, you... Oh,
2: yes. I, I can't remember where I read it, but I was sharing with Sloan that literally I will watch for my... Sigh, S-I-G-A, when I sigh, and when we're eating, the first time I sigh, is the, my body saying, "Hey, that was good. You're through." And the problem is, I would go, "Well, I'm going to sigh again," and you know, <laughs> but literally, your body will begin to begin to say, I-, "I think you've had enough." And I and I had to learn to eat slowly. Now. Brian is surprised at that because when we have staff meeting, they're always waiting for me to finish. I like to start early. Before they do, they get finished, and I'm still...
0: I eat breakfast and lunch, and he's still on breakfast. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but but watching, the, watching the... Really, literally watching the volume, yeah. and and your body will help you if you go slowly and pay attention.
1: And then fruits. It's not a joke. Fruits and vegetables. I mean start incorporating those, that's an easy thing to do, easy thing to do. And
0: you talked about just a basic general principle is half of your plate, talk about that as well. Um,
1: There is a plate method, a lot of people try to follow. Um, Half the plate would be like the entree, now I don't mean huge chicken fried steak, so, (coughs) but half the plate would be the entree, the other half would be like fruits and vegetables, if you want to try that. Um, Again, content, remember content. (laughs)
0: Okay, so why is breakfast important?
1: Breakfast sets the tone for the day. There was current research that came out, just one study that said breakfast is not needed. Uh Uh-uh, I call foul, because it sets the tone for the day. If you eat breakfast, and breakfast to a dietitian In Oklahoma, I had to quit asking um, people, do you eat breakfast, because in Oklahoma, we think it's a sit-down meal with time and space and room. And so I asked people, do you eat breakfast? And they're like, "Uh, no. And I had to think, I'm like, so what do you do on the way to work? Well, I have a coffee and donut. Well, in a dietitian's world, if you ate, that's breakfast. Cold pizza, that's your breakfast, you know. So we want people to eat within two hours of waking up. That is the best thing you could do. It doesn't have to be monumental Oklahoma breakfast. Um, Just eat something, and it sets the tone for the day. People who eat breakfast likely do not overeat at lunch. In fact, they complain that they can't eat very much at lunch. Is that a problem? So, you know, I, I want people to consider that breakfast actually sets the tone the day it also makes you less cranky i mean think about your co-workers you're doing them a favor maybe um, if you would eat something and so it, it just it sets the tone for the day
0: yeah uh, we just have a minute left is there any other tip or thing that you either of you want to toss out
2: i, I would just i would say that my success really is because roseanne changed her kitchen um, i mean we went through the classes all the materials that we received and we used to say we don't use much salt, and I'm going to talk about salt. We don't because we didn't add a lot mm-hmm. until we started reading the labels and how much was already there before we got in it. And Roseanne has worked really, really hard and changed our kitchen. That's what how I describe it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, you know, if she had not been willing to go on the journey, it would have been a hard journey to go on. Yeah. And then, and then the exercise. You know, Brian talks about the fourth mile, and f- you know. You know, I get, I get 3.2 miles done on a 5K and I am ready to call it a day. Yeah, but, and when I run, I've told Sloan, when I run, I feel like a sack of rocks going downstairs. Uh, <laughs> but she's gonna help me at some point where I don't feel like quite as big a sack of rocks. But, but doing, doing the things that you can do will have, you know, like, like in Daniel's case, doing those things, Will make a difference.
0: Yeah, and one thing that Sloan says is walking is so underestimated.
1: Walking's underestimated. People think that it doesn't count. It counts. Yeah. It counts. Your feet still do the same mileage. So if you have even 10 minutes in the morning to walk, or 10 minutes in the evening, or hey, how about both? Walking, you can do. It doesn't require special equipment necessarily. So don't underestimate walking. Just because Brian has talked about running doesn't mean that that's the only exercise made available. Some of you may not have the capability to run. That's OK. There's other forms of exercise, and walking is, is one of them.
2: One quick thing about walking. I, I explained to Sloan that I just didn't have time to work out. And Sloan kindly said, Dave, you have a gym at your office. You can go
1: walk. A gymnasium,
2: space to walk. Just walk.
0: Yeah. Well, um, would you give Dave and Sloan a hand? Thank you guys so much. (laughs) Obviously, there's plenty more tips to be had. But I just want to come back to this thought that we're all on a journey. But if um, there's probably just shy of 300 people in our building today. we have a big crowd today, and if being healthy physically helped you live on average 10 better years, maybe not just be alive, but 10 better healthy years, what could God do with 3,000 extra years of his people serving him in this city? Think about it that way. That's kind of monumental to think about, um, that God could do some great work. Um, because we honor Him and we want to be gracious. And the, the beautiful thing about Christ is that His body was an instrument that He used for us. And today we're going to have a time of communion together where we honor and we remember and we celebrate and we are thankful that Jesus Christ gave His body to us as a sacrifice so that we could have life in him, that he died on the cross to forgive us of our sins. And so if you are a believer in Christ, we certainly welcome you to participate with us. You can take the bread and the juice and uh, hold on to that and uh, just take it whenever you're ready, or you can just place the the cup back in the the holder when it comes by you, whatever is more comfortable for you. So let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your love and care for us. And um, God, we thank you, that your son, Jesus, um, died for us, gave his body for us, and we're imperfect in every way, physically, emotionally, spiritually, the whole thing. Uh, We have so much room to grow, but in these moments, we stop and realize that you are perfect, and you love us, and you died for us, and uh, you look at every single person here and just uh, brim with love, and care for them, and we thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen.